0: Welcome to 1001 Books, the podcast where we read 1001 books from the list 1001 books to read before you die. Here are your hosts. I'm Chelsea, a lover of all sad books and Harry Potter. And I'm Nicole, also a lover of Harry Potter and every historical fiction fact I can get my hands on. And I'm Jeremy, the sound engineer and lover of... Some books. So now that we've done our introduction with our special guest of the evening and he has moved on because he set up our sound, we're going to talk about what we're reading now. So, Nicole, what are you reading right now? Um, Mostly this week, I just
1: read the book we're going to talk about today, but I am in the middle of a nonfiction book called The Immortal Life of Henrietta Slacks by Rebecca what is the name written? skloot skloot <laughs> um and so it's a it's really interesting it's about how in the early 50s this african-american woman died of cancer mm-hmm. and we, and they took a biopsy of her tumor and then she died and they had no family had no idea she'd take they'd taken the cells and then those cells proved to be the first immortal cells that could be cultured over and over again in petri dishes and all of this huge research has been done on because of them like the cure the vaccine for polio and like research about a thousand things and how they up to the point in the book now they still don't really understand why her cells won't die because other cancer cells it's hard to keep them alive but these ones are just so aggressive that they live Mm -hmm. and so the person who wrote it she got to know the family and because all her children are like still alive it just happened in the 50s and so and they never even knew that her cells are being used like that until like the 70s so it's really interesting and so it's kind of about like is it just, like, our, do our cells belong to us? And also the science of uh, how they were, you know, like, how they use the cells to make things. It's really good. I'm, I'm in the middle. It's def- I've got it off of a list of, like, if you like narrative... Nonfiction type books, and it's good. Mm. What about
0: you? Um, well, there's two things I wrote down when we were going through. I am currently rereading my uh, favorite Harry Potter fan fiction uh, that I have no shame about, and I actually have a PDF copy that I downloaded off of a site that turned Harry Potter fan fictions into PDF downloads. um, It's called The Fallout. It's by every Thursday. It's 800 pages long. That's so, wow, that's so long. That it's, person was really dedicated. It's basically a <laughs> Harry Potter book. um, In length, not in uh, greatness, let me rephrase that. In length, <laughs> it's basically a Harry Potter book. But it's just so good, and I really like it. And it takes me back to being like, 15 when I first started to read it and like I read it every week for like four years while she was publishing it because she published a chapter at a time I just love it I have no shame there's no shame in my Harry Potter fan fiction game um but I also uh since we last met read a couple of Brian Selznick books and he's a middle grade author so he writes books for like middle grade kids so third to seventh graders basically and it's he writes books that are mixed um, text with illustrations because he's an artist and so the really famous one is The Life of Hugo Cabret and then the other one I read was Wonderstruck I think it's called Wonderstruck Um, and they're both just stories that are told in pictures alternating with words and so they're really fast reads they're like 700 page long books but 450 of them are illustrations um and they're they're really beautifully beautifully done and just really nice stories in a way that you wouldn't think you'd get from just having pictures in fact I was going to recommend the second one to you it's really good
1: the wonderstruck
0: wonderstruck it only takes like three hours to read it's literally on my bookshelf right now if you could return it to the library you can borrow it I uh really really enjoyed it so all right that sounds
1: good yeah Well, today we're talking about The Age of Innocence by Edith Wharton, which was originally published in 1920 and it actually won the Pulitzer Prize in 1921. So pretty popular in its time. Um, If you had to describe this book in one word, what would your word be?
0: Constricting.
1: Okay, mine is a two. It's a phrase. (laughs) Uh, Society intrigue.
0: Yes. So before we talk about why we chose those words um I'm gonna give us the quick plot this week and so in this novel Newland Archer in 1870s high society New York is engaged to be married but a scandalous acquaintance from his past catches his eye All right. So from this
1: point forward, we're going to get into the details of the plot. So if you're desperate to read this before you hear anything about it, pause now and we'll put in the show notes when we're going to be off spoilers. So you can come you can fast forward a little bit. Otherwise, let's get into it.
0: Yeah. Uh,
1: So the more in-depth plot summary is that Newland is he's supposed to marry this woman, May. And right before they're going to announce their engagement, May's cousin comes back from Europe. Her name is Ellen Olenska or, or, or Countess Olenska. And because she's she married a foreigner and, and it, he was – something vague bad happened. He was cheating on her. He abused her, something of that nature. It's and never she's, defined. And she's, like, fled to come home to New York. And he sees her and then he kind of becomes her champion, partly because it's his – Soon to be fiance's family, and that you know, people are it's very scandalous, but then he slowly the more time he spends, realizes that he's in love with her. Um, and but he just like the cogs are turning, he's marrying this girl, like the steps are happening, and he can't seem to stop it. And then, after there's a few more than one time where they like Ellen and him like approach each other and they want to run away together or leave their you know, be like be together outside of marriage or whatever it may be. Um and and they it never but it never works out part mostly because she like refuses to hurt her cousin his wife um and that it would be w- all these people who were nice to her when she came back to new york she'd be betraying them and um but he's kind of willing to throw it throw it all away but then in the end on the, the last moment when he's definitely just going to follow her and go with go with ellen his wife is pregnant and then he doesn't and then the the there's basically an epilogue 30 years later
0: Mm -hmm. and in that epilogue he his wife has passed away they were together for 25 years before her passing they had three children and his son um has him go on a trip to paris with him where it turns out that ellen has been living in france this whole time and his son offers this opportunity for him to go have dinner with him and Ellen in France and at the last moment he just can't do it and the book ends with him sitting outside the window on the street and as the lights are coming on in the city because it's getting dark he heads back to his hotel yeah so it's very much
1: um this book made me weirdly like nostalgic for the kind of classics That I when I first became like like in high school age when I when my every year at Christmas my mom would buy me books for Christmas and they'd be in one wrap box and then inside that box each book would be individually wrapped Mm -hmm. and there'd always be some current things that she you know would spend hours in the bookstore picking out when she thought looked good that were like young adult books and then also a few classics that she remembered loving and this wasn't one of those books but it was totally in that vein just like a very a uh, high society romance there's something of Jane Austen in them even though they're written long, like almost 100 years after that mm-hmm. but in the like oh the best stories are just a few families in the country and the drama that happens yeah. between them it, it, i don't know it made me feel just like oh this is the kind of book that i remember really loving when i was 17 and it, and it, i don't know it gave me a special like soft spot in my heart feeling for it <laughs> i kind
0: of felt like that too it felt very nostalgic and then I liked though that as an adult it felt very nostalgic. But then the end didn't follow the classic. That's true ending yeah. that I like. Would they didn't expect get together. From then, those. Yeah. If I had been sixteen reading this book, I would have been pissed. Right.
1: <laughs> and I think as an adult, you can you can I can see more into like why it isn't like it's good yeah. that they didn't get together when they were young, and that like it would have been a horrible betrayal, and that you know like yeah. the morals and. Um, and it's not just love, love for everything. Like there's other factors to consider, and I think that work. I don't know, like that. That I think I don't think I would have picked up on that if I'd read it in high school.
0: Yeah, and yeah. I I really liked. Um, that was why I used the word constricting for this novel. It really felt like these three main characters were just stuck in what their time frame expected of them. So like, mm-hmm. May the wife was going to be this perfect society wife. Um, Her husband sees her as someone who's just kind of like flouncy and light. Well, in the beginning, like definitely as kind of
1: like, oh, it's my job. You're a blank slate and it's my job as your husband to educate you Mm -hmm. and to make you into the kind of why wife wanted to be that women's job is to be blank slates to be made over by yeah. the men in their lives. And that's how, and like that's how all the women in her family have trained her to be, yeah. which I thought was so interesting. And then he, in the early in the book before he really is in love with Ellen, he like talking to some other male friends. It's just like women should have all the freedom that we have. Uh, and then people are kind of just like, <laughs> that's ridiculous. And, and yeah. then he, but he keeps coming back to that idea. Um, and I think, this theme came up in alias grace. I thought that it doesn't, it doesn't, it's not good for men or women for women Mm -hmm. to be only structures that men make for it to be like pushed down to being only that because it hurts the men too. Like because he keeps
0: getting, it seems as you're reading this novel that he wants to be this forward thinking like modern man, but he keeps getting pulled back into the societal expectations. He keeps like, he feels almost as if it's like a prison sentence. Like he keeps getting pulled back in. So the wife is, is, this blank slate, like naive person, is what she's kind of imaged as. There's some stuff later on in the novel that we'll touch on, but um, and then he is just stuck because of where he is as a man in that society. And then the other, the other woman, that Ellen Olenska, she again. Loves him, but is duty-bound, even though something happened in her marriage to not get a divorce from her husband, she's duty-bound to not go into a relationship with him because of the times. And so it just felt like everything was constricted because of the time period and the Mm -hmm. place they lived and because image was literally everything. Right. And then he spends a lot of time
1: talking about how everyone in their society is trained to just never look upon unpleasantness no mm-hmm. matter no matter how much they have to delude themselves and they know that they're doing it to not have to think about any unpleasant things. And so her family encourages Ellen to go back to her shady husband just because that would have the right look on the outside even though they all know that it's a bad situation. Yeah, and but they talk just, about they it multiple yeah, times. But they can't, like, you can't acknowledge that you're seeing any un- unpleasantness in the world. And
0: there's a particularly... Interesting scene about this towards the end of the novel. Right after you found out that um, Ellen is gonna go back, she doesn't end up going back with her husband, but she's going to go back to to live separately, to in live Europe, her separately yeah. in Europe. And all their high society members are there at her farewell dinner, and the main character Newland is realizing. They all think I've had an affair with her. They all think I've had an affair with her. But he's realizing it and that they're going to continue to pretend there was no affair because mm-hmm. now the problem has been solved. Right. Because through machina- machinations, how do you say Machinations. Yeah, of them convincing Ellen to go back and deciding, oh, it's better that she goes back and is not with him than for her to be in a relationship with Newton. And they've kind of like wiggle created this situation where they have a resolution for it. So then they don't have to acknowledge that they don't have to acknowledge happened. it. And yeah. so like and it's so interesting because like he is going out to say goodbye to her and suddenly someone else is at the carriage to greet her. Like they've but they don't acknowledge it. They're just there. Right. It's never spoken of directly. Nothing in their world is ever spoken of directly, mm-hmm. except
1: for like, oh, her dress is pretty. Like that's yeah. that is it. Um, which is so constricting and exhausting. And I feel like that. I mean, that still exists in a different form. Mm And I'm sure with the like in the 1% today, you know, but it's, um, it was like they had like used, they had like formed that into an
0: art form. Like that's how high level it is. Yeah. Uh, And that was really, I thought that that was really interesting to read. And I do think that Edith Wharton was kind of making fun of it. Because Uh in the beginning
1: of my book, there was like a, you know, a one and a half page like biography of the author and one of the things so she wrote this came out 1920 she said it in the 1870s so she was kind of writing about the her youth like what New York was like because she was born into a high society New York family and then she's kind of looking back at her youth and coming of age in this time period and that after World War One, they put a quote in there from her basically saying that like now everything that was like good and beautiful about America is gone mm-hmm. and then then she wrote this book as like her Calling out of uh-huh. that, but set in the past, which I think is I think is really great, uh, and so I think she was kind of just like, yeah, like it. This society shaped me, who I am, mm-hmm. but but it was also ridiculous and terrible, and some things about. But what we have now isn't necessarily any better. Yeah. It's like the same evils, but in a new form.
0: <laughs> well, and there was kind of a nod to that in the last chapter too, because because of the thirty year jump, it moves forward to like right before the time she would have been writing this yeah. novel. Um and the hu- the main character Newland and his son are talking about how the world is so different now and mm-hmm. it's like she's looking back at it because she's already experienced that world and then is yeah. saying, yeah, it did change so much in this time period. You can get across the Atlantic in five, five days. days. There's
1: telephones. like, yeah. And it was a big deal that Newland, like, when someone suggested to him earlier in the novel that he should run for office, and he was like, oh, people of my class, it's like dirty to get involved in politics. But then he does run for uh-huh. office. And then he feels, even though he wasn't in office for very long, he feels good about it that he made a contribution and was a good citizen. And so like, even just the yeah. ideas of what it means what the – when you're rich, what your obligations are and what it means, like, to the idle rich or whatever, you know, yeah. like that, having more of a stigma than it did, you know. Like, it's all, everything – all those, like, societal views have changed. Yeah. In a very fa- – that's a very short period. And I thought
0: <laughs> it was very interesting, too, because so Newland's son basically has put himself in a predicament that's similar to what Newland was in, except for without the already fiancéed May. So, like, Newland's son is – marrying a woman who is um, an illegitimate child of a man who was dishonored in Mm -hmm. the time of Newland. And like at one point, the son and the father, I thought their conversations were so interesting, are having a conversation and Newland's son goes, well, Ellen was your whatever his fiance's name is, but you didn't choose her and I chose mine. Right, because back then you couldn't choose
1: anything. But he could. And that you and mom... And then he also tells, like, tells him that when mom was on her deathbed, she told, he told me, she told me about Ellen and that, but you guys obviously never talked about it directly because nobody talked about things directly back then. Yeah. And now we do.
0: Oh, uh, and that line is like my favorite line from the book. It's so, he's saying, the day before she died, it was when she sent for me alone. You remember? She said, she knew we were safe with you and always would be because once when she asked you to, you'd given up the thing you most wanted. And then he says back, "I never asked her." And then he says, "Well,
1: you never, you never asked each other for anything. It was all implied." Um, And yeah, and so all throughout the book, when Newland's considering this affair and like taking fault, hesitating and coming back from it, and like steps back and forth about having the real affair, he thinks that his wife is oblivious to it Mm -hmm. and that she's just she's that blank slate. She's just there to please him. She doesn't. Um, but then it becomes apparent in a growing way over the, yeah. over the course of the book that she absolutely knows and that she's doing her own schemes to prevent them from being together. Yeah. Um, and she yeah. played it like, yeah, she was she way smarter than he thought <laughs> and she totally played him and was successful in like getting what she wanted. And, and he almost, even though he believes himself to be an unconventional man in a conventional time, he was conventional in his thoughts about what she was and then it's, it screwed him over Yeah, it hurt him because he, he, didn't have the capacity to think maybe she actually does pick up on all the cues that I'm giving here, but he just thought, Oh no, she just, she, that's, she's just nothing affects her. She doesn't take anything in. She's only, she <laughs> only cares about flowers and dresses. <laughs> yeah.
0: Well, and it was interesting because the whole time I was thinking, which of these characters am I supposed to like? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. And I, I kind of like all of them in yeah. an interesting way because you know that the wife may, She's in this situation. She's engaged this man in high society in New York. If he has an affair, she's like, there's not nothing she be, can do. She has no, to pretend it hasn't happened. She has to pretend it hasn't mm-hmm. happened and she's going to get talked about behind people's back mm-hmm. Um, for not pleasing her husband. It, she can't divorce him. No. She can't escape the situation. So, I mean, good on her. She played the yeah, game. She did what she had to do. She did what yeah. she had mm-hmm. to do to get a moderately happy life. Yeah. Like yeah. and so I didn't hate her. like yeah. I she should have maybe been the antagonist in this novel, but she wasn't really because no. I was like, you know what? Yeah,
1: because you could understand where
0: she was coming yeah. from. And the same thing with Newland, like
1: mm-hmm. you could have hated him because he's he's like easily complaining like he thinks bad of his wife and he's gonna cheat on her. But at the same time, I think him fall every time he saw Ellen, and he'd be like, oh, I have all these things I want to say to her. But then they just never would really say anything. They'd just be so caught up in their emotions uh-huh. about it. And and I just felt like really even more than he was in love with Ellen, he was in love with the idea of breaking the conventions of his society. And it could have been any woman that did yeah. that to him or any, circum- some other, any circumstance in his life at that key moment. Something would have happened to make him have those feelings yeah. of wanting to run away. And so – And then I kind of got that because he's been so restricted and that like his society is hurting his development as a person. And so he's like making weird choices because of it. So I couldn't really hate him. And the same thing with Ellen. Yeah. She's like the, you know, the fallen woman or whatever who's left her husband. But she and she easily could have relied on Newland to fulfill her and to protect her and to provide for her financially. But she refused to do that. I think really she's the best person out of the bunch. Like every time he got close, even though she wanted him to, she pulled back um because it was the right thing to do for the sake of her family and her cousin his wife and and I was just like that's a
0: really hard thing to do and my heart broke I mean I liked the ending because I liked that it was unconventional Mm -hmm. but my heart broke a little bit for her at the end because he chose not to go to her that's why I think that he in the end he he was only ever in love with the idea of her Mm -hmm. not with her because he would have chose to go to her
1: yeah if they'd (sighs) really been in love Yeah.
0: yeah I it was I um I enjoyed this book a lot actually like, me I too. would it say this me. is a solid book. Yeah, it surprised me how good it was because it sneaks up on you because you just think, oh, it's just
1: like, a, it's, I feel like it's, it's like chick lit of its era, yeah. which I hate that word, that designation. Yeah. But that's kind of what it is. And it's just about women. It's just about like society and women and drama. But there's something deeper in it too, just about humans and like mm-hmm. the rules we place on ourselves and how they affect us. And are they, those rules even real? You know, yeah. Um, that's really good. And, and I found it like engrossing. Um, despite there being just like lots of descriptions of the rules of 18th century, yeah, I New thought York. it was really interesting. It was really interesting, I yeah. think
0: for the first like 30 pages, I was like, mm, I don't know how this is gonna go, but then after that, I was really engaged in it, and mm-hmm. it it reads really easily, which yeah. is why I kind of think of it similar to Jane Eyre or like Pride and Prejudice because they're they're, they're books mm-hmm. from back then that read really easily and like good. We're gonna pause for a second. <laughs> Sorry, uh, Chelsea's cat is getting comfortable in her lap and it's distracting us. And my cat never sits on me, like hates humans. So I'm pretty sure she's like dying or something. <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah, so this um yeah, it's very accessible and easy to
1: read. And it does read a lot like those two books, even though it's a hundred years it's yeah. newer. And it, it makes me that kind of makes me think about how women authors were have, a, you know, for a huge stretch of human history, if, if there could be published at all, they were constricted in what they could cover. Mm-hmm. And I think that's why this book feels the same because, yeah. it, or just because because of the constrictions of society, only women writers saw the value in these kind of stories. Yeah. And that man writers maybe felt they had to write about something bigger than this, you know, but this is exactly what you like, Chelsea. It's has deep meaning, but you get it from the story. Oh yeah. It's I not, it's not, this It, it shows, it doesn't tell. And, and that's, I think. I,
0: I, like the best, I was really engaged with this book and there were chapters guys. So, I mean, Short I don't ones. know what else <laughs> I could ask for. Yeah. Um, yeah. I also, something else I thought was really interesting in this book is, I think reading these books is making us smarter because there were things that I caught now that I would not have caught Mm -hmm. before. So they mentioned the game of whist, which I'm going to be honest with you, I thought was a fake game when we were reading. (laughs) really?
1: (laughs) I didn't know it was a real game. I mean, I knew it was real, but only because I've seen it in other books, not because I've seen someone play it. (laughs) Well, and so then I saw it
0: in this book, and I was like, no, that was a real thing that was popular in the 1870s. Like, she's referencing it. Mm -hmm. And then there were also references to books that yeah, were in the 1870s and like
1: oh yeah I know that's a book that, that was a new book that he'd gotten from his London bookseller in the mail and yeah and they make a joke about going around the world in 80 days and <laughs> I was like whoa like it's in there yeah yeah
0: and I wouldn't have I mean I may I would have caught going around the world but I wouldn't have caught the context because then later on they talk about like one of the people jokes about the places you'll see and he mentions like three of the places they went in around the world Mm -hmm. in 80 days so it's very like clearly like a little nod speaking of around the world in 80 days this is a tangent
1: but I was Uh I was looking at a list of books today of like narrative nonfiction books and I was putting some like in my like tbr list Uh and there was one um, that was about two women going around the world. In, a true story of two women going around the world in 80 days. And so I, I like put it on my list for sure. Because I definitely want to re- read it. Yeah. And it was, like not too, it was like in like 1900. Not, Interesting. Not too much past the time. And, so, and, and I feel like I think that they did it as like a feminist, like Version. Or a suffragette-like thing. Um. And so I'm really curious to read it and compare it.
0: Oh, and hearkening back to that episode, that is the episode we've posted most recently, Mm -hmm. um, and someone on our Instagram commented that they're reading uh, one of Jules Verne's books in the original French. Like, kudos to them. Uh, I wish, I should look up your name, but my phone is far away so but yeah kudos to that uh follower on instagram if you listened for reading it in original french i can't say that
1: i knew for sure that he was french is that terrible i guess jules that's a french name D- didn't think about it i definitely thought he was british because they so that Which, book is so yeah. pro british um
0: not I mean, that the french just, weren't also colonial yeah. but
1: it wasn't I don't think they had the same world conquering in the sense that the British did, or at least not in as many places.
0: No, he was French. I knew that in a vague way, but like I got caught up in how Do you think that he lived in
1: London like some of the time or something? Because how did he get so pro British? Or was that kind of was he kind of making fun of how British people were like that? As like, because you know, know, there's like antagonism between France and Britain for like all of history. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, so maybe he was actually making fun of it, and it was like satire. And we just didn't catch it. Huh. <laughs> I mean, I knew he
0: was from France, but I didn't catch it. Interesting. But wow. yeah, so they're reading it in French. Wow, that's very is very impressive. Yeah, I can't read things in other languages unless it's Harry Potter that I basically have memorized.
1: Yeah. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. That that is easier. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I do. I do agree that I I continue to feel that all the books are reading, good and bad, are broadening my Mm -hmm. understanding, and I am catching things like that. There was also a mention in this book of they went to the Metropolitan Museum of Art that was in a tiny building in Central Park, and they were like, "Yeah, someday this might be a great museum." And I was like, "Ah, it's it's a huge museum. It's like huge. It's like a city block, you know. And there's unending things in there. And then and." And when the book jumps 30 years it you become aware that he donated the main care donated his old house to be the new site for the museum yeah. and I, think, I don't know if that's just I think that's really and cool. then people
0: are walking through it and looking at the and, room and how it is house. a
1: great museum and yeah. how like oh in the room where people are looking at this painting is where all these pivotal moments in my life happen yeah uh, I, I thought really that was that. really
0: interesting yeah. too um yeah I also uh caught a word in here that I think is really funny because it made me think of a pop culture kind of reference. So at one point they say the word ineffable, <laughs> um, which means like unexplainable with words. Like you mm-hmm. can't explain it in words. It's ineffable. And I was like, that is from a television show or a movie that is from a television <laughs> show or from a movie. And it is from how I met your mother uh, where one of the main characters tells a girlfriend that he can't explain why he doesn't like her it's ineffable and she says, I'm not effable <laughs> and um so I got a lot of joy out of that and I was like, I understand what this word means from this book and now I understand what he meant and how I met your <laughs> Wow
1: <laughs> that's a that's a long cultural like string between those two things for sure that they're
0: not easily connected to each other Our Eight degrees of separation yeah, yeah
1: maybe more in this case so that's funny
0: yeah I uh, I really enjoyed this moment I did know I don't think there was any words I couldn't figure out from context which was no. delightful there was one
1: word that was used a few times that I didn't feel confident about but I also didn't look up like per Perpacity or pers- perspacity?
0: I think I thought that I thought that that was just like a tendency too.
1: Yeah, that's what I thought too. Yeah, <laughs> so I didn't look it up because I was like, that's probably
0: what it is. Yeah, I, I only got so mo- much time. Mo- most of it from context, good enough. Yeah, yeah I
1: do. You, it's so. I mean, can you imagine how little were we look up if we didn't have we had to use actual dictionaries? I would just like a blip breeze right through it. When it sometimes it's on my phone and I'm and I and only if it's a podcast book, will I yeah. look it up.
0: Yeah, usually <laughs> I usually. just. Hadrian was really the only one where I did a decent amount of looking up because I was like, I don't even know what's going on because I don't understand these words. Yeah.
1: Now I have a tendency in these books, I flag the words I don't know and can't figure out, and then I just ask you on the night we're recording, and I don't ever look them up, and then sometimes we're just like, yeah, I don't know either.
0: Yep. all right. Good enough. <laughs> but we're still learning stuff. Yes. Despite that, <laughs> we're still learning. Yes. Those. Um. Anything else that you thought was really... um,
1: You know, I don't know. I just... I, I like this book, and I... The thing is, if I think about the reasons we put things on the list, I don't, if it's like all foundational in its genre, doing a new thing, like ahead of its time. And I don't know if it is any of those things, but it's just readable. It's so damn readable and it's good. And so I just like it.
0: You yeah. Know? I like I, it. I'm having a hard time with this one because I don't know currently. I mean, we're going to go in a second and I'll have to make up my mind if I'm going to put it on the list or not. Because I'm going to feel so bad because I really like the book. Yeah. It's not that I wanted to like it. I expected not to like it. But when I rate this on Goodreads, I'm going to give this four out of five stars. Like, I well, solidly
1: liked it. And when you, like, if a book that people are supposed to read way before they die should be a book that you would recommend to someone. And I would recommend this. Yeah. Uh, and I just... I do think you know that if if we think it's this good almost a hundred years later, this is a good writer because this book does not read like it's a hundred years old. So I think her f- writing style is really modern and fluid, and mm-hmm. I think it's a, it's the ideas in this book are really modern and they're representative of what the twentieth century like modernism and like in the twentieth century, you know, like like in the um, and well, so, and I don't I know. I think it, it's it works. I
0: was also thinking too. A thousand and one books is a shit ton of books so yeah. i not many people would commit like we have <laughs> i wonder how much we sometimes there are books on this list because they're just solid that time period books maybe they weren't right. foundational but they're just good books from that time yeah, like, period oh yeah from
1: every 10 year period like what's it what's one or two good books from that and because
0: yeah. like that's a lot of books to have to choose. So like I can see how this one ended up on the list because it's just a solid book. Yeah. It's like, just, it's, it's just solid. a good
1: book. Yeah, re- it's just a book that readers would like. I think you could give it to someone who was like, I want to, like, when we read *Crime and Punishment*, we were like, if you're trying to get into a classic, I don't think you'd pick this one one first. This one I you would You could do. pick this one. You could hand it to someone and who's like, I want to read more serious books, and they could get into this. Yeah. I think that's important.
0: Um, And I also, um something I have been doing with a lot of these books, I've mentioned it a couple times, is I've been listening to portions of them on books on tape, because a lot of these classics, unfortunately, are at the library on books on tape, but they're never checked out. Out. Mm. and so i can get them the day right of away. and mm-hmm. just listen to parts of it and something i really noticed about this one versus the crime and punishment one was that it was easy to follow even when you're just listening like i listened to this on 1.5 speed a lot like wow. sped up <laughs> because the language flows really well it goes really well it's easy to follow it's not um too weighty like of course when you're listening in book on tapes like some of the names get lost like but it was like oh yeah that's one of the society guys Meh, good enough you know um and so that was really nice too yeah yeah so. and
1: um definitely I want to read other books by Edith Wharton I don't know any other ones that she read She, I don't know if she has any other ones
0: on the list I don't think she has any others on the list but I don't know there's at least
1: other one Really famous one that the title is escaping me right now.
0: I, and it's not in my book. And they're all
1: about, like, the Gilded Age. They're all about that. Oh, you know, I can probably look in the little biography section. I
0: always forget the name of that era, by the way. So you the keep gilded, saying the Gilded oh, Age. Oh, ho- the
1: House of Mirth. Yeah, That's the that other one's one really that, I famous. Know. that came out in 1905. Um, so just before this one. And then the other one they have is the Greater Inclination. that And the decor, the Decoration of Houses that's like a non-fiction book that you were actually about decorating
0: i would read the like that makes me want to read the house of Mirth. oh yeah
1: i definitely want to read that that's going on my list for sure
0: yeah so we should decide if it's going to be on our list and okay. i i'm so torn <laughs> you're torn huh <laughs>
1: all right well you ready we're gonna count you're gonna actually answer and not pause i'm okay. gonna answer okay one two three Three. Yes. yes. Yeah. and I think we kind of talked ourselves into it.
0: <laughs> well, mostly because, I mean, I think that there's just going to be books on this list that maybe we can't pinpoint an exact reason why they're canon, but they're just good, solid books. Yeah. And, and this and, is a good, solid book. And I think that's enough to make a book canon, you know? And particularly if it's old
1: like this. If it was a really, really recent book, I would be like... We don't know if it's going to stand the test of time. Yeah. Even if I thought it was a solid book, and so then I might not put it on the list. But this book is almost already 100 years old, and it's we still feel that way.
0: Yeah, and I just think that I want
1: there to be lots of women authors on the on our list, and I because I and I think that just like Margaret Atwood, not mm-hmm. you know not her contemporary at all, way later, the women in this story are better written mm-hmm. than women in a lot of other books we've read.
0: Yeah, it makes it makes a difference. Even the character of the wife, who could have been a really Mary Sue like and not had any depth, has a lot of depth. She had depth, yeah. Yeah. And I just,
1: that's something that's missing in a lot of these books. um, Yeah. Just because of their era. Um, I was going to say before we go into our next segment that we. we were looking ahead you know figuring out what books that we should do next and we we drew one out of the hat and we were, I was looking it up online and the only copies of it available anywhere on the internet were over a hundred dollars because it must not have had very many printings mm-hmm. and it was, it's called the uh froth on the daydreams and it actually looked really good like really interesting and the name is great I and mean, it's a great name but we're not going to spend a hundred dollars on that one so we we save that maybe we'll come back to it you never know maybe it'll mm-hmm. get us a new printing or something or we'll, someone will'll we'll buy one copy <laughs>
0: to be our thousand or it'll books. get put on Kindle yeah we get an ebook like it. I could I would read an ebook if the book was a hundred dollars yeah well, no. and the yeah the it's like a,
1: it's an English author it's not like a translation it's just it's super weird that it's not more available yeah um so that makes two books so far that we haven't been able to get
0: yep so again we'll just check back on those every couple years and see what happens um before we get into
1: our next segment i just have to tell you something funny about books in me this week yes so most of this week since last time recorded i spent reading i pretty much just read this book and because i didn't read like i didn't have very much time for reading and i also have currently in- including one audiobook that I haven't started nine books out of the library one of those is the immortal life of Henrietta slacks which I Henrietta Lacks, which I'm like halfway mm-hmm. through but uh but that's at nine books and then I looked at my library count today and I have guess how many books I have waiting for me <laughs> at the library <laughs> to pick Seven. up tomorrow six <laughs> and so I have that will make 15 books that I haven't read and we'll have to read the next one on the list and I was just like oh maybe this weekend I need to not do anything I need to stay home and read and there are, and the thing is is that all of them are ones that I really want to read so oh. I mentioned the last episode how I started making my TBR list on on the w- library's website by putting them on a for later shelf uh-huh. instead of putting them on hold on our my our friend Amanda's suggestion, and so <laughs> I start, and so I've been doing that. But then, if it looks like the line for the book is really long. You know, I put it on hold because I I figure, oh, it's going to be on hold for a long time while I wait for the line to go down. But then they still all came. And so I actually am going to have more books out now than I ever had before I was using the For Later shelf. So it's totally backfired because what happens (laughs) is that with the For Later shelf is that it made me want to look up books that I want to read. And I started looking at all these lists on Pinterest and Goodreads and Book Riot. And I was like, oh, I'm going to find like books. And then I would put them on there. And then I still only put a small, because I already have 40-something books on the Four Later Shelf, and I only put a small fraction on the <laughs> hold list, and they still all came. So 15. 15 that's books. That's too many. It's too many. I mean, I'm just going to return the audiobook. I mean, I'll, I can listen to that, like, at the gym. So, like, that, yeah. I might actually listen to that. And that's that's Anna Kendrick's books. So like, oh, that's, like, frivolous fun. and fun. And be fun to listen to the audio, right? But then there's, like, of the six I have right now, like... I want to read all of them very badly. and But the, the, there's three that are due back in nine days. You And can so one of those, those is the one I'm halfway through, and then there's the two others, and I think I can do that. And then the rest are like 16 more days, so I have a lot of time still. And you could always, the
0: ones that aren't as popular, you could save them for last, you could renew them. Yeah, because
1: if there's no line, you can renew them. That's my plan. I think I have actually put them in order on my bookshelf by how many people are waiting for them, so I can know if, yeah. <laughs> if I have to, but within like when they're due, if I can know if I can renew them. I know, I know. I'm just like this for later shelf, having a
0: TBR list, it's not working for me.
1: It's, I'm too
0: addicted. Why, hello? It is this is the Chelsea from the Future after we recorded this podcast talking, letting you know that kittens are a hazard to podcasts, and we actually lost um, half of our speech from our recording, whereas you would have just been listening to me.
1: And not Nicole. Oh, no. So You missed a very exciting segment where
0: Chelsea pitched a book for that she thinks should be on the list. So we're just going to have this be a shorter episode, and we will have me pitch a book on the list at a future date. Um, and I'm going to let you know that our next book is A World for Julius, was the one we picked in our last yeah, episode. and I feel
1: like now we've read it, you know, so we can't give as much of a surprise guess, but I feel like we thought that it was going to be a coming-of-age story. Yes, I think think i
0: pretty sure from consensus we thought that that was what it's gonna be because it sounds like giving the world to Mm -hmm. something so it's just something to somebody somebody named julius i mean life happens i hope you enjoyed our discussion of age of innocence and that you get to use this free time of not listening to read a new book yay all right so we'll see you next time with a world for julia julius happy reading happy reading